The Athletic Podcast Network, you just heard their jingle, is supported by the Quip Electric Toothbrush, also known as the Tesla of toothbrushes. Many electric toothbrushes run at 30, 40, even 50,000 strokes per minute. But fast is not necessarily better when it comes to toothbrush strokes. Our gums are sensitive to harsh pressure. So Quip designed a gentler toothbrush with 15,000 strokes a minute to keep your mouth healthy and fresh. And it comes in only one bristle strength. Soft. So be good to yourself. Get your first refill free at getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who comes alive in the knockout stages. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I bide my time and then I'll go for it in the end. Yes. You're, you're a man for the big occasion. And by the end, I mean the knockout round. And then hopefully the end being Champions League final. Yes. Hopefully. That's what these 16 teams are all going for. So yes, we are here to preview uh, the first few matches of the Champions League round of 16. It all kicks off next Tuesday, February 18th. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday, February 19th. So uh, eight of the games, four of the games, yep. four of the games yep. will happen next eight week. Eight teams, four games. Eight yep. teams, four games. We are here to preview those games. So on Tuesday, it's going to be, looks at chalkboard, mm-hmm. um, Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool. That's the one that's going to be televised on TNT. Of course it is. Because Liverpool, I because guess. Because Liverpool. Um, but happening at the same time on Tuesday, it's Borussia Dortmund versus PSG. Oh, boy. So you can still you can stream oh that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then on Wednesday, it is... Spurs versus RB Leipzig, yep. uh, which of course stands for Real Big Leipzig. That's I learned one. from Ryan mm-hmm. Bailey. It yep. should be Ryan Bailey Leipzig. <laughs> um, and also at the same time, time. it's Hipster's favourite, Atalanta versus Valencia. Mm-hmm. We are here to preview those games. I will not be saying Valencia that way I'm for so the rest fatty. of the show. So <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that episode yet? No. Oh, there's an uh, episode of the new season of Kirby Enthusiasm where he keeps going to a Spanish restaurant and keeps having to talk with the, the lift. And then eventually everybody in the cast ends up doing it as well. So I just assume that's what you're going with. What does he have to talk with a lisp? He, d- he doesn't ha- I think they end up like being physically impaired, so they oh, all sound like they have lisps. I think he chips a tooth. <laughs> so we are mm-hmm. not fully here to uh, review HBO episodes. This uh, is true. We are going to... We're going to give you tactical previews of the games we just mentioned, key players and sort of how it all matches up. I'm excited. I really do feel like sometimes Champions League group stage, I struggle to get too excited about it unless Serginho Dest is playing. Uh, But in the knockouts, I want to watch every game. I want us to review every game that we can. I agree with you. I am very excited. My question for you is, do you think Atleti fans are excited about their matchup with Liverpool? Because my assumption is no. Why not? I I mean, not in terms of are we going to win this, Mm -hmm. but I think... Maybe the best team in the world coming to town is always exciting. I suppose that's true. And right? the potential opportunity, I guess it does immediately put you into underdog status. Yeah. So maybe from there, it becomes a bit more understandable if you go very defensive, yeah. <laughs> the way maybe I'm expecting Atleti to do. But that's my expectation. I don't know if that's what they'll end up actually doing. So, I mean, that's, this is an interesting season. The season as a whole for Atletico yes. Madrid, which maybe we'll start there. Because if you haven't been following Atletico Madrid mm-hmm. uh, this year, you might be thinking, oh, Atleti, that's exciting. I'll watch Diego Godin and Antoine mm-hmm. Griezmann. No, you 
will not. No, you will not. They sold those guys last summer. There was a pretty big influx of new players, and it hasn't quite worked. No, I think when you say what's been going on is interesting, I immediately think of the fact that my wife uses interesting to mean bad. Like, oh, that was just interesting that you did that. I mean it that way, but that makes sense. (laughs) Exactly. It fits well. (laughs) It it definitely, definitely works. Um, So, yeah, Graceman's gone. Um, The strike force was supposed to be... Jao Felix, what, 125 million euro Portuguese teenager, hasn't had a good season. Mm -mm. Uh, Maybe Diego Costa alongside him or Avaro Morata alongside him. Yeah, that transfer never happened. The first three did, though, right? And none of them have really found their shooting boots. And on top of that, they're all injured for this game. Mm -hmm. It's very unlikely we see any of those three in this game. And here's my theory, is that when this first started to look like maybe it wasn't all going to work was uh, at MLS All-Star against the the All-Stars in Orlando. And I think MLS deserves credit for completely derailing (laughs) uh, Atleti's season. (laughs) There's also talk, I mean, I heard Sam Tide talk about it and I heard Graham Ruthven talk Mm -hmm. about it when they were both on the Total Sox show in the past week or so. There was an idea that Atletico, with all these new signings, they were mm-hmm. going to be a bit more expansive, a bit less of the Diego Simeone 442 Terminator machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of tried that at the start, and it didn't quite work out. So they went back to what they did best, mm-hmm. right? But they went back to what they did best sans Diego Godin and sans Antoine Griezmann. So it's essentially a less effective version of the classic Atletico. And Felipe machine. Luis as well, right? And Felipe Luis is gone. Yeah, Juan Fran's no longer there. Weird. Uh, they sold uh, Lucas Hernandez mm-hmm. to Bayern Munich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've done some selling. They've done some getting rid. They have. They've not done as much investment. I don't, I don't read Simeone interviews, mm-hmm. like, at least in depth. I'm going to assume if he's asked any questions about what's gone wrong this year, he's going to be using the word transition yep. a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a tra- it is a transition yep. year for Atletico Madrid. Yep. Um, okay. But here's what they're going to do. If you're just wondering, like, what are they going to do in this game? They are going to come out, I'm pretty confident, in some form of Diego Simeone's Tight 4 4 mm-hmm. right? That makes sense. When he draws it on the chalkboard, everybody says, Diego, why aren't you using all the chalkboard? <laughs> why are the four midfielders so close together? It's because that's how Atletico Madrid like to play. Why are there only like four X's on there? Oh, it's because yeah. we're all together? <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Cool. I think the key is the, the midfield. Mm-hmm. You, I, here's my guess. You're going to see a midfield of Thomas Partey is definitely going to be somewhere in the center. He's the key central defensive midfielder. We'll talk key players later, okay. maybe. The other three midfielders, I think, will be Koke, the very important Koke, who's just come back from injury. Got himself an assist uh, in his first game back uh, against Granada. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Saul and probably uh, Llorente, right? I think those are your four midfielders. None of those are wingers. They are not. They are not. Um, <laughs> the maybe silver lining or not even silver lining, but just a small positive. That was this weekend, right? That they got the one no win over Granada, yeah. which did kind of stop a little bit of a skid for them. So yeah. maybe it's a bit of momentum and Koke's back and things yeah. are better. Honestly, no coincidence because mm-hmm. I think Koke is the guy that at the top of he does all kinds of things, but at the top of the box, he's the guy mm-hmm. that can pick out the clever little pass, uh, which is exactly what he did in the early minutes against Granada. He slipped and held Korea in with a clever little pass. So I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Koke's been out for a while. They've struggled to score goals. Koke's back within, I think, about six minutes. He's mm-hmm. got, he's got himself an assist. So give me the, give me the the four midfielders again, or have we only done central so far? We've only well, no. Oh, cool. These are so essentially, it's going to be four They're midfielders <laughs> in a four, but none of them really pull yeah. wide, right? There is like it could be that Saul is technically the right midfielder. Uh-huh. Or it could be that Koke is technically the right midfielder, or either of them could be the central midfielder. But they're all going to play pretty tight in a tight four. That's that's kind of the point, right? Yes. And then the way that it works for Atletico, the width comes, I think, in transition mm. from the fullbacks. It has been Kieran Trippier. He's 
Trippier, excuse mm-hmm. me. He's been struggling, not with the pronunciation of his, the final syllable of his name, but, maybe. but with a groin injury. I think Trippier is out of this game. But uh, Vesalko, Croatian right back, you remember from the mm-hmm. World Cup. Simi. Simi Vesalko is going to be playing instead. On the other side, it's going to be Lodi, who is the young Brazilian left back, um, who sounds like where you get the best Zinfandel from. Uh, but he's the replacement for uh, Luis Felipe. Felipe Luis, I always mm-hmm. get this wrong. You always correct me. Felipe Which one Luis, is it? you got Felipe it. Luis. He is the replacement. He's only 21 years old, really, like, basically pretty good defender, as you have to be to play in Atletico Madrid's mm-hmm. back four, but then pretty good going forward. So and that's, the, that's the, left back, correct? That's left back, and right back is Vesalco, or if his groin magically heals Trippier. One thing we sort of saw uh, from Belgium was playing Yannick Carrasco as a left back slash left wing back. Is there any chance we see Carrasco now that he's back? He's mostly been coming off the bench okay. from what I've seen. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's fitness. I don't know if it's form. I don't know if he just doesn't fit. I think it might be that he's more of a winger, right? And so that's not what Diego's doing right now. I think you went with fitness form fit and I think probably all three yeah. in some combination. And yeah. honestly that's a way of saying I don't really know. I don't know the situation mm-hmm. with Carrasco but yeah he was what sold to China yep. I think got himself a big paycheck in China yep. and now because China's cutting back on mm-hmm. how much we're spending on foreigners. Um, Carrasco- yes. I'm sure that's the only reason why he wanted to leave China. That's the only possible <laughs> oh, reason. Well, he, before coronavirus yes. he came back. Yes. Um, we'll talk Dele Alli later. You know about that? <laughs> I do. Um, so, yeah, so Carrasco's back, back at Atletico mm-hmm. Madrid. He may not start. Same for Lamar right? Lamar very talented attacking oh, yeah. player Sam Ty was talking about like you sign Lamar yeah. it's part of your new expansive kind of thing but then you go back to the narrow no tricky wingers four four two. Lamar doesn't fit no it's strange to think that I believe it was Thomas Lamar who turned down the move to uh, Arsenal thinking that like ah, I don't know if this is going to fit for me right now yeah. but Atleti that's the perfect fit and it has instead been the opposite of that maybe he didn't watch any tape that could be <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to give you the key players sure. um, the key player is Thomas Partey, uh, or as the Spanish commentators call him, Tomas. Yeah. Tomas. I do appreciate so, that they do that. Instead of Partey. It feels like they would go with Partey, but they, yeah. do, do, they do do Thomas. Yeah. Tomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tomas will be the central midfielder and the key defensive midfielder, mm-hmm. right? He's going to be the one cutting things out, making tackles, um, and think what he's up against. Again, they're playing Liverpool. Very mm-hmm. important that Partey has a really good game uh, defensively. But then he's actually really good once he gets the ball at just you know finding a teammate mm-hmm. with a clever little pass. I've seen him pull off some little tricks just to make short passes. He's also very good at the big diagonal, the Michael Bradley type ball so when I'm talking about those fullbacks overlapping a thing they do a lot is Partey wins the ball back and then Partey goes big long diagonal and it's say Vesalco mm-hmm. uh, steaming down that right flank and then Vesalco usually he's not really much of a um, he's not like a take you on kind of guy right first time get the ball across the box mm-hmm. right so that's a real fast move they'll do is Partey out Vesalco across and then uh, Costa or Morata misses mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> thus far that's been the pattern thus yeah. far it'll be Angel Correa probably yeah. that they're aiming for this time or the other side to uh, Lodi mm-hmm. yeah so that's why Partey is one of the key players Koke, I've already talked about, another key player. He also can hit that big diagonal, but then he also just brings that little bit of guile and craft mm-hmm. and like clever passes at the top of the box to try and slip slip the strikers yeah. in. Yeah, and a bit of the physicality steal that you probably need in a Champions League yes, knockout absolutely. game as well. Yep. All, all four of these midfielders can defend a little bit, which is, again, part of the Diego Simeone system. Um, haven't mentioned centre-backs. Again, no Godin, no Hernandez, the, uh, no Jimenez. I think uh, the younger Uruguayan, mm-hmm. um, I think he's injured. Yep. He may not play. So the key guy is going to be Stefan Savic. Yeah. 
which is interesting because he used to be the third, fourth choice centre-back in the golden era Mm -hmm. of Diego Simeone defenders. Now he's the key guy. He's the guy that's going to be sort of fighting with Firmino, uh, trying to win the ball. Yeah, Because that's what he does. He's the one that steps out and tries to win the ball. Exactly. And I feel like I remember the times when it was like, can they do it with Savic as the replacement centre-back? And now it's like, he's leading the line. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so switching to Liverpool, Uh unless you've got any Atleti questions for me. I don't believe I do. All right, so... I kind of think we all know about Liverpool, right? We kind of know what they do, Mm. right? They have three central midfielders that sort of dominate the game from there. They have really impressive overlapping fullbacks and dominate the wings with Trent Alexander-Arnold on one side, Andrew Robertson on the other side. And then they have that front three. Andrew? You're still going with Andrew? I like to be formal. I like to keep it formal. Uh, Sergio Mane, Roberto Firmino, yeah. uh, and Mohamed Salah are the front three. Mane had an injury. He is back in training. He'll probably play in this game. If not, Divock Origi has proven time and again mm-hmm. he is a more than capable uh, fill-in. Jordan Shakiri is still alive, though, right? He is, and okay. he, might, he might even play 10 minutes in this ah, game. Oh, yeah. he might. That's fine. <laughs> but I really think the key to Liverpool is because the fullbacks like take care of the width, yep. those front three can uh, concentrate on all those movements they do to pull defences apart and making space for each other. So I think a, a big thing will be, for example, when Firmino drops deep, does Savage go with him mm-hmm. or does Savage decide to stay? I right? imagine Firmino will try to find that out early and often. Exactly, exactly. And then the other big thing uh, will be uh, Partey uh, trying to like ha- be part of handling uh, any any uh, mm-hmm. like Firmino or Salah who comes into midfield. Koke, does he sit on Liverpool's pivot player? Right, so it's either Henderson or it's Fabinho. You know, they're always like yep. the, the deepest of the midfield three and it all goes through them. Often Koke will be the one who steps out from like the flat four and makes sure that those passes are cut off. So I think that'll be an interesting battle to watch is Koke versus either Henderson or Fabinho, whoever Liverpool's central, central midfielder player is. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Do you feel like it's the case that if, like Liverpool, if you're going 4-4-2 versus 4-3-3, yeah. the natural Which thing would be... Which is the basic way to say yeah. the, the setup of this game, but it's way more complicated than exactly, that. Exactly, because I think if you just went 4-4-2, 4-3-3, the immediate statement or the immediate sort of analysis would be, we've got three central midfielders versus two, that's always going to create overloads, but because of the way Atleti yes. plays, it's fair to say that that doesn't really help with Liverpool that much. You have hit the absolute key to this game. I think the way that Atleti set up the midfield with four, essentially four central midfielders, yeah. right? Just spaced out but tight together. Uh, spaced out left to right but tight together. Um, means that Liverpool are essentially overloaded in midfield maybe for the first time in a long time, hmm. right? It'll be those, those four Atleti players versus three Liverpool players. And because Atleti, um, when they defend, they tend to try and push you towards the sideline. They'll crowd you out over there. They leave the far side open, right? Yep. So the key to this game, I think, for Liverpool is... Switching play. It's going to be, can Robertson hit the big diagonal to Trent Alexander-Arnold? Or, more likely, can Trent Alexander-Arnold hit the big diagonal um, to Robertson? Because Alexander-Arnold is wonderful at hitting that crossfield ball, right? Yeah, so it'll be Atleti pushing Liverpool over when Liverpool have got the ball. And then hopefully t- for Liverpool fans, TAA will be like, I sense my opportunity. Yeah. Hit it the far side, and then Robertson's in down that. It's just so flank. weird to think of a one fullback with a dramatic crossfield switch diagonally to the other fullback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, but that is what happens. But it's you'll just, see that in this game. That's yeah. where that width is coming from. You're but, not wrong. But Atleti will make it hard, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold will be trying to do this with uh, a midfielder and uh, maybe another fullback in his face, stopping him doing mm-hmm. it. My, my, my other feeling, like having not really studied this game too much, is that even even if, say, Liverpool were to find a way through, say they score in the first five minutes or something like that, 
I think Atleti won't necessarily care so much about that. I don't think you'll see them change their game plan so much and become this attacking team who try to get an equalizer because it's the first leg, because 1-0 away, maybe you, you snake a, a counterattacking goal, maybe it finishes 2-1. to one. That's a decent result, especially if you're Atleti in the situation they're in. So I guess I, all I'm trying to say is if they do go down early, I don't think that means they're going to kind of change everything up entirely. I think they'll probably continue to do exactly what they were going to do they'll all They'll just along. keep on going, keep on yep. going. I think the, uh, the, worry, uh, the, grind. the worry if you're Atletico Madrid Mm-hmm. is that essentially uh, not only were your big name strikers out of form mm-hmm. um, in uh, Morata, Diego Costa, Joe Felix, um, it's just not that scary when you look at Angel Correa and probably Vitolo mm-hmm. um, as the threat. They're not terrible players. Correa's pretty fast. He can run in behind you. Like, you know, he's yeah. not, not a bad player at all. He'll look, he'll look to like play one-two and zip in behind, but he's not this sort of terrifying threat that you expect to face in the round of yeah. 16. There's a reason why they were trying to get Edson Cavani in January. Like, yes. yeah, put it that way. Yeah, and they didn't get him. They so that's, not. yeah, that might be the preview for this game. They didn't get Edson Cavani. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've talked at length. I feel like we've covered this pretty well. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions before we move on? Uh, no, I don't think so. I All think right. that, that's about it for me. Uh, Thank you for coming to my Atletico TED Talk. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, and <laughs> it is the way you kind of have to do it, though, right? Because we're very familiar with Liverpool and everything they're doing, so much so that I'm throwing my pen. Yeah. So it makes it then like, well, okay, well, what are they going to do against Atleti? How are Atleti going to set up? So it yeah. makes sense that we've gone heavy on Atleti. There we go. There I don't go. know if we'll do that as much with my two teams because they're both pretty pretty compelling and interesting. Uh, but before we get to those, we should probably talk about today's sponsor, if yeah, that works I mean, for you. Don't lose any hair over it. <laughs> I will not. Uh, but if I were, uh, I would contact today's sponsor, which is Hims, a wellness brand for men. 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age of 35. It happened earlier with some people, like maybe Zinedine Zidane. Uh, once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. So if that hairline is slowly starting to move backwards and you're seeing some bold spots, uh, the best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. Mm-hmm. So uh, grab the New Year by the follicles. I was going to comment on that one as well. That's too late, right? Grab the Valentine's Day by the follicles. Speaking of Larry David, it's definitely too late (laughs) for any New Year references. There's a three-week window, I believe. Yeah, you have till the 15th or the 21st. It might even be two weeks. Yeah, Yeah, it's the 15th. You have till the 15th. Which is true. I feel like Happy New Year when there's another holiday about to happen, (laughs) depending on your definition of Valentine's Day being a holiday. But still, I feel like you should just say, yeah, if you want to look your best for Valentine's Day, maybe you can uh, start moving in that direction with hymns. There you go. Don't turn to weird solutions uh-uh. turn to hymns it's medically proven it's science mm-hmm. and as uh, i am always fond of noting uh, it means no more awkward in-person doctor's visits no long pharmacy lines no waiting room and having to call and be put on hold 20 minutes to get that appointment instead with hymns uh, it is discreet it is quick and it comes right to your door which is always uh, advantageous if you're ready to take action right now, you can get started with your first month free if you go to fourhims.com slash total soccer. That's fourhims.com slash total soccer. Prescription requires an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Offer valid if only if prescribed. Three-month minimum subscription. Additional restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Whew. All right. That was nice and fast. Mm-hmm. I like it. Remember, that's forhims.com slash total soccer. Thank you to Hims for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you to Dortmund and PSG for existing because I am so excited about this matchup. Uh, this fixture could easily finish 9-9 on aggregate. I tweeted that out and I genuinely believe it. I would go so far as to guarantee that there will be goals in this in this one i have become a saturday morning uh-huh. i sit down and i think all right which game am i going to watch yep. genuinely which game will i watch live which game will i dvr 
Dortmund has become my go-to to watch live. Yeah, just because fair. it's going to be exciting. There's going to be goals. There's going to be Jadon Sancho, mm-hmm. maybe Gio Reyna, Erling Haaland. There, there's just all kinds of excitement every time you watch Dortmund. Yep, and I think a big part of that excitement is the way both of these teams are going to play because I would expect Dortmund's attacking plan to be attack. I would expect <laughs> PSG's attacking plan to be attack. I would expect Dortmund's defensive plan to also be attack and PSG's defensive plan... Attack! That's correct. <laughs> I think it's going to be all-out attack, and I do not know how this game doesn't have goals all over the place. Well, do they have different types of attacking, at least, that we can differentiate between? They do. Okay. Um, and let's start with PSG on that right. note, because it, with PSG, it's always worth adding a disclaimer that like this is what they tend to do in the league. It's mm. what they did at various points in the Champions League. It may be the case that against a stronger opponent in the yeah. Champions League, they change it up. Some non-farmers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't actually believe that, by the way. It's I know just, you It's just an easy joke. Uh, but on paper... They tend to play a 4-2-2-2, but in reality, that is a 4-2-4. It is a straight-up 4-2-4. Uh, you'll have your back four. You'll have uh, Verratti and Idrissa Ganagay as your kind of two holding midfielders. That's so good. Well, wait for it. Then left to right in that front four would be uh, Neymar, Kylian Mbappe, Mauro Icardi, and Angel Di Maria. Is everybody healthy? Is everybody definitely playing? Uh, Neymar had a quote-unquote hurt rib, which I think usually coincides with it's either Mardi Gras or her, his birthday or his sister's birthday. Yeah. It's one of those uh-huh. that he somehow picks up an injury. It's worth noting, yeah, uh, Thiago Silva has been missing time with a groin. Marquinhos has been out with a thigh. Juan Bernat with a calf. Neymar with a rib. Uh, the expectation is at least Neymar and probably Thiago Silva will be ready for this game. And I think PSG will definitely be hoping so because that back four is going to need all the uh, veteran stewardship it can get. Yes. But I want to talk about like what PSG do that I find so interesting. And it's essentially they defend by attacking. So in that 4-2-4, if they've sort of stalled a little bit or the attack has slowed down, either Neymar or Angel Di Maria, the two wide players, sometimes both, will then move very central to be sort of facilitating outlets centrally, and then you've got your fullbacks advancing rapid fire up to fill in that space. Okay. So there's With basically... three for three on attacking fullbacks so far. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's going to be, a, I think, a standard here. Uh-huh. Um, and so... It just makes it really hard because uh, early in their game against Lyon that I was watching, Lyon did a really good job of sort of frustrating Verratti and Idrissa Gay so that they were kind of slow on the ball. And if you can slow PSG down, that's when they are sort of vulnerable. I refuse to believe that Verratti was slow on the ball. Lyon did a good job if they made that happen. It was more so that because you had that front four already sort of established up the field, he routinely was getting the ball and having to look 30 yards up. And so that's when Lyon were kind of robbing him of the ball. They were picking the ball off of Gay or they were rushing passes. As soon as... Di Maria, and in that game it was Goretzka because Neymar was out. As soon as they start dropping in, Leon kept sort of swarming those two central midfielders, but then right behind them were two other players who they could then play the ball forward to, and now you have this rapid-fire attack with now six players moving forward against an outmatched defense. And I would expect that is exactly what PSG will be trying to do uh, against Dortmund. Trying being the operative word because Uh Dortmund slightly stronger opposition, but... uh, it's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. Can I ask mm-hmm. about PSG's back four then? So you, you said bet. Thiago Silva may be back. He's mm-hmm. obviously a name that we all know because yeah. he's. I'm, don't, I'm not sure if he's one of the best defenders in the world anymore, but at some point he definitely was. Mm-hmm. Um, who who else is back there? Uh, Presnel uh, Kimbembe would be, oh. I think, the starter regardless of whether or not Marquinhos is fit to go because, again, Mar- Marquinhos returning. Maybe you don't want to sort of just back from injury center backs. Yeah, we yeah. shall see. But my guess is that it'll be Kimpembe and Thiago Silva. If not, it will be uh, Tilo Kerr, uh, German center back. Uh, and then out wide on the left, I'm assuming it's going to be Krozawa as your left yes. back and uh, Thomas Munier as your right. We'll see if Juan Bernat is good to go. Yeah. 
But the way those two fullbacks play is, again, super aggressive attacking, but super aggressive defending as well mm-hmm. in terms of they will charge people down 30 yards so that the attack can't get going. They would rather challenge you in your own half, high up the field, maybe concede the free kick, maybe foul you, what have you, but they'd much rather engage there than have to drop back in and, and kind of create a defensive shape. If they All do, right. they go with a more straight four four two in their mm-hmm. defensive approach, but... How often do we expect to see them just sitting back and countering? So the coach is Thomas Tuchel, mm-hmm. right? Former Dortmund coach. You got it. So is that kind of... Who's hosting this game? Yeah, so this is Tuchel going back it to sure Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Um, Where he did not... He left in not the best of circumstances. Not the best of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he won the cup, right? But yeah. kind of fell out with... The players were kind of sick of him, mm-hmm. is, what, is what I remember. Um, he's not going to go back to Dortmund with this PSG team full of talent and go with no. some sort of weird low block defend type no. thing. It's just not the way Thomas Tuchel does business. Uh, and he was very excited. I think he talked about that, about how he knew this was going to be the draw they were going to get. But when he found out, he was still super excited. I think he like, ran around yeah. the field celebrating because I think both like, he wants a coffee to go shop back. that he really likes there. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that's <laughs> what it is. Not, not revenge at all. Uh, yes. And so I do think that they will probably try to have a more attacking approach. I think they will be okay with the ball being out wide. They tend to kind of try to crowd the middle as much as they can. And if you're going to attack down the flanks, that's more fine with them mm-hmm. because those fullbacks go wide, those fullbacks go forward, the two center backs stay pretty tight together because they don't want any sort of fast break coming through the central or the center of the field. And that is maybe where Dortmund will look because they do have that uh, gentleman by the name of Erling Holland. All right, let's talk Dortmund. All right, um, let's talk Dortmund. So this is my other grain of salt here is that we've seen them lately going with the back three in a kind of 3-4-1-2. Yeah, I feel like their turnaround in form mm-hmm. has coincided with Favre saying, all right, back three it is. Yes. Yeah. Unleash the Hakimi. <laughs> Unleash the Hakimi, indeed. <laughs> uh, he is kind of their key player in this one. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about him. But they will sometimes go with a 4-2-3-1, a back four, and they will adjust that 3-4-1-2 if they need to and go with more of a 4-2-3-1. So they may well do that. But my expectation is that they would go with a back three of Dan Axel Zagadou, Mats Hummels, and Manuel Akanji. That's mm-hmm. what's been happening lately. I'm team Akanji, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yes, I know you are, buddy, and you should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they've got Emre Jean and Axel Witzel ahead of them. We would assume the left wing back, if they go with that, would be Rafael Guerrero. The right wing back would be the aforementioned Atraf Hakimi. Yeah. Who's le- more- less of the back and more of the wing. I was going to say, it's more of like, right wing, back. Like, <laughs> it's something like that. Um, the big question mark I have is not about center forward. That'll be Erling Holland. It's not about the left winger, our left-sided attacker, which will be Jaden Sancho. It's more about who the number 10 is slash maybe the right winger is. Mm-hmm. Because my assumption would have been it's Julian Brantz. He gets the ankle injury this weekend. He subs out at halftime. He's apparently torn a ligament in the ankle. So he's oh. out this weekend, and it's, I believe, very unlikely he plays in the first leg against PSG. So am I right in thinking, because I watched that game, am mm-hmm. I right in thinking that Brandt was the sort of essential balance, mm-hmm. right? Where he can do a bit of central midfieldering. Um, he's an attacking player, but he's not a winger. Right. In the way that, say, Sancho or Gio Reyna mm-hmm. is. And so he was kind of perfect to be that that other guy, right? Because, right. for, for example, because he doesn't want to go out to the wing, it lets Hakimi go up and down that right wing, and it lets the other side be uh, be attacked by more of a winger like, say, Sancho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's sort of been the case that he has been made to play wherever he would fit. So when they were going with the 3-4, like 1-2 earlier, he was one of the two central midfielders, which doesn't really suit him. Yeah. He has been played wide a little bit, but the main reason for that is because Marco Royce is the one you you would usually have as that number 10, the kind of support striker, yeah. what have you, he is out with injury as well. Okay. So then it was sort of like, okay, this is the time when Marco Royce, maybe we move him to the sidelines, Julian Brandt comes in, the number 10 spot is his, that's going to be his position long term, he immediately gets injured. My guess is Mario Goetze? So it could be a couple different things. It could be Gio Reyna, that was the change they made this weekend. I'm I've, guessing after yeah. watching that half of football from yeah. Gio Reyna, 
he's not going to be rewarded with a Champions League start. No, my guess is that Gio Reyna will play this weekend in the Bundesliga. Maybe, mm-hmm. although by all accounts, Dortmund fans are okay if things don't go well in the Champions League, if it means that they're that much more focused on the domestic yeah. competition. So maybe we'll see Gio Reyna this weekend. They play I think, Bremen this weekend? Oh, uh, I can't remember if that's them. Or Leipzig play Bremen. I think Leipzig play, okay. play Bremen. Dortmund might have a relatively easier game, but I okay. could be wrong. Um, so if it's not uh, going to be Gio Reyna, it may be uh, Mario Götze. It could be Torgan Hazard, and they could go with just a more conventional like 3-4-3, and then Atraf Hakimi yeah. stays further back and is more of a right-back, right wing back. Okay, yeah, because then the other guys are wingers. Yeah, But also, I don't want that to happen. Because <laughs> Ashraf Hakimi has become the most captivating player in this Dortmund team for me. And I know that's crazy, because you've got Erling Haaland, who can't stop scoring, except he kind of did this weekend, but whatever. You've got Jadon Sancho, who I think is going to have a field day against PSG. But the way Ashraf Hakimi gets forward, still gets back defensively, but it sometimes is just another central midfielder, sometimes is a striker. Yeah. He is that entire right side, if they go with the 3-4-1-2 sort of situation, is, is his. He yeah. patrols that right side. I am now convinced that because of Brandt being injured, mm-hmm. I think they'll go with more of a straight-up 3-4-3. Three, three, I think that's just probably be- likely. Because yeah. there are more players that suit that style, yeah. right? Like Sancho and Thorgan Hazard yeah. as your wingers and uh, Erling Haaland central. Yeah. And you okay. could have Hakimi as a winger and you could put in like peace check or something like yeah. that and kind of bounce it And you're going to need a bit of extra protection down that left side because mm-hmm. that's where Neymar's going to be yeah. operating. So it might be a thing where you're like, hey, Ashraf, um, I know you love getting forward, but this is a game where we're facing Neymar, so mm-hmm. you might have to uh, might have to tone it down just a little bit and st- a bit more of the back and a bit less of the wing just for this weekend. Yeah, just for this week. I think essentially both teams, PSG and Dortmund, are going to want to focus down their left side and not let the opponent focus down their left side. It's how it's <laughs> going to be because uh, with PSG committing that many numbers forward the way they do, and with the way Jaden Sancho tends to kind of stay out wide left, even if it is a three four one two and and Brandt is central, Holland is central, it's still Sancho kind of on that yeah. left wing and then dribbling and you, inside. And right. you've got that overload a little bit. So I do think Sancho is going to have tons of room to work with and have a lot of fun in this game. But I think, to your point, Neymar as well, having lots of fun on the opposite oh. side. The the really interesting thing that I have come to really enjoy about Dortmund as well is, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this much, but they are very content to just slowly move the ball between the three center backs. They'll play it to the left wing back. He plays it back to the center back. They'll play it to a center mid, back to a center back. And it keeps bringing the opposition into their half to put them under pressure. And it will go back to Berkey, and Berkey will hoof it long. And you think like, oh, okay, that plan did not work out. And it lands right on the head of Erling Holland, who is now in a 1v1 because the opposition has cheated forward. Yeah. And he does not lose in the air. It is absurd how good he is. So we talked, no, sorry, we didn't talk. I listened mm-hmm. um, to you and Santai talk about how Erling Holland has had all this success because even though he, he looks like a big target man guy mm-hmm. and he can absolutely target do man that. Target man guy. He can absolutely do that target man yep. job, right? He'll win headers in the air. But like every team in his first few games has mm-hmm. underestimated how fast he yep. is running in behind. And mm-hmm. um, once teams start sitting a little deeper or covering for that running in behind, he's going to start being less effective. With mm-hmm. Sam's, I think, very, very yep. astute, very smart mm-hmm. point. Um, it sounds like if PSG are going to be all out attack that they're going to leave space in behind. Yes. Isn't Thomas Tuchel going to be thinking... Oh, maybe I don't want to do that this time. It, the the okay. This is genuinely where my head is with this. Is yeah. that yes, that makes sense because it's Thomas Tuchel. He's an established coach. He's a smart coach. He'll want to change things a little bit. But it's still PSG who have all of this attack and have some of the personality that goes with that. Yeah. And if you're telling Neymar like, never mind, you've got to do something different. Angel Di Maria, you've got to be a central midfielder now. I think they'll do that on occasion. I don't know how much they're going to change their fundamental okay. kind of tactical spine. So again, that's could what be makes space for Erling Haaland. There could be. There could like. But if there isn't, then I feel like that's going to open up elsewhere, or it will mean that. Uh, 
one team is doing something they're not used to, mm-hmm. and so then the cracks and vulnerabilities will appear there. But again, it's why I think this game is going to be so fascinating to watch. I agree. I also think if you're Munier and Kozawa, the mm-hmm. fullbacks, you're you're going to both be thinking, please let Jaden Sancho be on the opposite <laughs> flank to me. Please let Jaden Sancho be on the opposite flank to me. Because yeah. he is, when he's running at people, he is so hard to stop. Mm-hmm. And he's really clever about his movement, like getting behind you and getting on the end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you want the other fullback to be marking Jaden Sancho. You sure, you sure do. You sure do. <laughs> um, and so, really quickly, because uh, I, I feel like I've gone long already. But... I felt that in the first the first one. I uh-huh. think it's just going to be the way it is. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Um, a, a couple key players. You're going to title this in-depth previews. Yes. Uh, we've talked about Erling Haaland. Uh, I would just say that he reminds me of the player in FIFA when you can create but you have like limited attributes for it like you have a certain amount that you can use and once you run out of that you can't make the player any better yeah and so you have to like find the right balance and with him it's like ah, you've got like another 100 points why not make him even better because <laughs> he is that good at so many things Emery Jean is the one that I think could be very key for mm. Dortmund in this game because he's brought in in January he's still getting his match fitness so he's still like not a player who's ready to go 100% 90 minutes but he has already kind of moved into a leadership figure and has brought a lot of veteran guile and steel to the team. He came out, I think, today. And he's not maybe that a, old, right? Is no. He's still in his 20s, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, like, he literally has been, like, there's a leadership council at Dortmund, and I believe yeah. he is already on that, uh, despite having Straight moved there in, in January. Yeah. Uh, he came out and said, uh, we just concede too many goals. I've been here for just a week, but the team, while having a lot of potential, still has to learn one thing, spoken plainly, you just have to be dirtier and foul sometimes. <laughs> So I think he will – and he did. He, he like, messed with Leon Bailey. He tried to play some head games against Leverkusen this past weekend. Yeah, I, remember. I expect him to kind of be the one who picks his teams up, lets them know if they're doing something wrong. The negative one was he was the one who kind of had open passes to Gio Reyna twice and was like, no, not you, and turned and played it to somebody else. But I think that is the sort of veteran decision-making you need when the game is on the line, yeah. and I think he will – be a, a huge player for Dortmund. Reina misinterpreted Chan's advice and he committed fouls while Dortmund were attacking. Yeah, that wasn't great. That wasn't ideal. <laughs> Chan was like, no, the other way. The other way. <laughs> um, and then the two players I want to spotlight for PSG, they're both very big names. Yeah. Uh, Angel Di Maria has been a very, very important player to PSG, more so than I think people would have thought, given the way he kind of has moved around and then he's kind of been moved around based on who they have there. But the way he drops into the midfield, the way he kind of moves around to create overloads and cause problems and can still score a goal or two, not bad. But then Kylian Mbappe, who we have not spoken much about. I How have we not talked about Kylian Mbappe? Because there's so many good players on both of these teams. But I just want to note that that back line I mentioned of Dan Axel Zagadou, Mats Hummels, and Manuel Akanji, very big, very physical not so much fast, and they do play okay. the high line, and Kylian Mbappe is a player that you do not want to play a high line against. Mm-hmm. So that sort of matchup, I think, will constantly keep Dortmund on their toes, which they should be, but more so on their toes in terms of always checking and making sure, and you may see that thing where it's like, oh, he's clearly offside there, and then you'll see the freeze frame replay, and one of those center backs has dropped yeah. five yards too deep to kind of anticipate his run, yeah. and broken the offside line as a result. Oh, Kylian Mbappe. Mm-hmm. This 9-9 thing is making more sense now. Yes. This should be like four and a half eight all yes. those games, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's my guess. Yes, four and a half exactly. They'll split one goal. I don't know how that will work. Um, but I, yeah, like I, I really could see like five four in one game and then five four in the other, and yep. there we go into the second leg. But Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool, <laughs> which will be a tactical defensive battle. That's the game that's going to be on TV. Of course, yeah, of course it is. Because, I, I guess because English teams. Yes, because yeah. English teams. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm going to call it. Have you got anything else to say on this? I do. I don't know if it's. Yeah. Okay. I want to say this last thing. Uh, do you listen to the Blank okay. Check podcast? But I'm, I'm just going to give you a code 
to let you know what's next on that, the show. That's fair. Yeah. Um, do you listen to Blank Check? I one? have done, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the hosts uh, has a great line about J.J. Abrams, which is like, if you're vibing with him, if you're into what he's doing, it's the best movie ever. If you are not feeling it, it is not a good movie. Yeah, yeah. And that is a perfect analogy for PSG. <laughs> is when they're feeling it and they're doing the little flicks and Cruyff turns and like no look passes and it's on, they are unstoppable. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they're not kind of in that rhythm and if Dortmund can kind of knock them around a little bit and they some of those flicks and tricks go awry, you instantly see them get frustrated with each other. And so yeah. they're like, no, why did you do that? You should have done this. The perfect example is uh, PSG versus Barcelona, mm-hmm. Champions League from, what, a couple yep. years ago? First leg versus second I mean, leg. even last season when they get knocked out by Man United, a Man United that had no business knocking them out, yes. uh, some fortunate VARing there as mm-hmm. well. But, yes. Well, that was a Kimbempe handball, right? It was indeed. Yeah. So this is a team that, if they're vibing, can destroy you. But if you kind of knock the rhythm off and frustrate, they can collapse as well. Oh, what a game. What it's going to be great. Um, all right, before we move on, the code that I showed Taylor mm-hmm. was the copy for HelloFresh. Yep, yep, Today's yep. show is sponsored by HelloFresh. Get mouth-watering, mouth-watering mm-hmm. seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you'll get something delicious, which is sort of the end-all, be-all goal yep. of the service. You want it to be delicious, but also fast and efficient and quick, and it's really all those things. So just like uh, Dortmund PSG, mm-hmm. it's a guarantee of a good time. <laughs> There's something for everyone. I keep, I keep wanting to have that disclaimer of like, it might be nil-nil. We'll see. It's not going to be nil-nil. And I know that. And HelloFresh will never give you the meal equivalent of a nil-nil draw. <laughs> Hello, HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning, like a nil-nil can be stressful, and prepping. So you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or even 20 minutes with their quick recipe options. Even 20 minutes. The devil, you say. Uh, Ryan and I talked about this previously. Uh, the average trip to a grocery store takes 41 minutes. For me, it takes about four and a half hours. Uh, I don't are, you, know. uh, are you like a wander around the aisles kind yes, of guy? We've, a, we've never gone shopping together, I don't think. Uh, maybe we haven't. That's odd. But yeah, no, I'm a, I have my list, and then along the way, my list expands by four. That's usually <laughs> how it goes. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I have a lot of ambitions about things I'm going to make that week. And then what ends up happening is you buy too much stuff, you don't end up using it, and now yeah. you've wasted. With HelloFresh, you get the exact right amount of stuff you need, yep. so you're not just going to have this excess overflow of random things in your refrigerator that eventually makes you feel shame. But if you do want to add stuff, the mm-hmm. good thing is that HelloFresh is flexible. What? You can add extra meals or lunches to your uh-huh. weekly order or throw in yummy sides and desserts like garlic bread and cookie dough I want to throw in cookie dough right now add me some cookie Still dough always yeah you can easily, spaghetti bolognese with cookie dough you can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or even skip a week if you're say not going to be around for a week that's good yeah. I think I may have just described an actual thing you can order from Pizza Hut so don't do that really <laughs> that's like pizza and cookies maybe DiGiorno have that option of like you get the same thing in a box that's why so you don't want to end up having to do that that's why you want to get HelloFresh yeah. in so you end up hating yourself yeah. you won't do that so go to hellofresh.com slash SS10. Use the code TSS10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash TSS10 and code TSS10 TSS10 for 10 one zero free meals, including free shipping. Thank you very much to HelloFresh for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you to Tuesday for giving us two good games. What about Wednesday, Daryl? What have I'm we got on Wednesday? I'm already looking forward to Tuesday. Yeah, but Wednesday, it's Tottenham Hotspur. Mm versus RB Leipzig. Mm-hmm. It's the Tottenham Hotspurs, by the way. The Tottenham yeah. Hotspurs yes. versus mm-hmm. the Ryan Bailey Leipzigs. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Spurs are hosting, but because I'm going to guess our listeners are already somewhat familiar with Spurs, I want to start with Leipzig. Mm-hmm. I also think what Leipzig does is so not unique because some other Red Bullish teams mm-hmm. do it, but it's so interesting that it's go it's gonna um it's gonna sort of define what Spurs have to do in response to it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I feel like you sort of I don't mean this like in a backhanded sort of way. I feel like you got the easier but simultaneously harder ones to preview because like three of the four teams in this we kind of watch regularly yeah and so with that comes this like okay well i want to find nuance and different things yeah. to say about them and so it becomes more of a like i want to build around the nuances so uh-huh. that at least i'm not just being like well tottenham have been good but they're but not great and leipzig have been pretty good as when well when we talk tottenham yeah. there are a couple of wrinkles right okay. there's the no harry kane mm-hmm. there's the uh no pochettino it's jose Mourinho instead what so yeah there's all that you didn't hear <laughs> what has happened We'll oh, I've heard, and I've seen the shaved head, and I have concerns and questions. Oh, yeah, Carl Anker is very uh-huh. concerned whenever Jose Mourinho shaves his head. All mm-hmm. right, but let's start with the away team. Let's do it. RB Leipzig. Um, the classic Red Bull mm-hmm. uh, formation is four-two-two-two. But Julian Nagelsmann, who, by the way, is still only 32 years mm-hmm. old, um, he's been experimenting a little, right? He likes to mix it up. Sometimes he's only 32 years yep, old. Some, he's been co- coaching since 28. Get older, Julian Nagelsmann. Head coach since he was 28. He will, slowly. Um, like so um, against Borussia Mönchengladbach a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, I know you and Ryan covered it. I watched that game. Really mm-hmm. exciting 2-2 draw. It was a sort of 4-2-3-1. Um, against Bayern this past weekend, it was uh, a sort of, I'm going to call it a, Maybe a three four one two or a five two one two. It was it was interesting. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. Um, so rather than focus on what the specific formation, like the numbers, will be, Manuel Vaith will like this. Do mm-hmm. not focus just on the numbers. Um, I want to focus on the things that RB Leipzig do consistently. That seems like a very good approach, and why you're very good at your job. Because I would just add that, like in in contrast to what I was talking about with like Atletico, or if PSG are trying to change up everything they're doing to deal with some of the threats of Dortmund, then they're fundamentally changing the way they play. Yeah. Whereas Leipzig seem to be based on fundamentally changing the way they play whenever they need to, and it seems like the squad are all okay with that. Yeah. So I think you're absolutely correct then, that it doesn't really matter what the formation is, because you can expect that if Tyler Adams is a right winger or right center back or whatever, he'll be able to do it because he knows how to do it. Yes, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, okay, so they always, I'll be Leipzig, always focus on having many, many numbers centrally in a different way to Atletico Madrid, right? Atletico Madrid is more regimented. We stay in this 4-4-2 shape and uh, this is this is how it is. Yeah. RB is a lot more dynamic and fluid, but they always keep numbers centrally and don't worry about having wingers, even when they attack, which I think is really, really interesting. Hmm. So I want to start with what happens when RB Leipzig have the ball, right? And they're looking to attack you. They are not sending their winger. Like, say it's uh, Forsberg. It might not be. He might not start. If he's at the left mid, he is not going to go out to the wing, right? He still stays a little bit central, right? And what RB Leipzig will do is they'll feed the ball into midfield. Are you saying they're not sending their best people? Is that what I'm hearing from you? (laughs) Sometimes. Okay. Um, They'll feed the ball into midfield. They'll pass it around. Lots of short passes. And eventually what they're looking to do is go direct and long-ish along mm. the floor or, or over the top they're looking to get in behind with Timo Werner or Nkunku um, or Yusuf Paulson or one of those guys right so it's essentially the short short long but short short passes centre-backs midfielders centre-backs midfielders trying to unbalance you and then bang they'll try and hit you through the middle to get their strikers in behind but they're not going to risk sending their, uh, their midfielders out wide because they're mm. not going to get stretched out because what they love is when you win the ball back they want to counter-press, yeah. right? RB is all about counter-pressing. It's much more effective to counter-press if you haven't spread yourself wide, right? You're in an optimum position because you're already all central. Mm-hmm. Say that ball through, you're looking for Timo Werner, but your centre-back intercepts it. 
you still you can get numbers around him and try and get that ball off that centre back. We'll say it's say it's Toby Alderweireld. Mm-hmm. He intercepts. You're on him straight away, and you've got numbers everywhere, and then you can counter press and counter attack. That's what RB Leipzig like to do. That's really interesting because it didn't occur to me that if you're trying to just play like a short pass and it gets turned over, I'm assuming the goal there is to still counter press and, and put that player under pressure. Yeah. But with a long ball that's been switched and maybe you've underhit it, it's still going to be floating in the air even if the defender adapts and brings that ball down. You would still assume that the player who then that ball was intended for will be able to immediately apply pressure and somebody yeah. else can step forward. Exactly. So if you're going to lose it, it makes sense to lose it on those kind of long diagonals yep. or long direct balls. But if you've got a winger like all the way out on the right touch line, yeah. he can't control tribute to that counter press getting numbers around the ball they always get numbers around the ball yeah that's really interesting yes um so in terms of key players um i think the center backs are going to be interesting to look at their first three their top three choices for center back all out that's not the best yeah so orban Mm -hmm. willie orban he's their captain he's their center back He's been out for a while, right? He's been out since November. I didn't know he was their captain. So, exactly. Yes. So he's not there. Um, Ibrahima Kanate, mm-hmm. um, he was the guy that when Sam, Sam Tai said, he is confused because he watches Upamecano. Mm-hmm. Everybody rates Upamecano. But the guy next to him, Kanate, always looks like the better player. Mm-hmm. He's out injured. He got injured in October. He's out until March. So Kanate is out. But at least they have, they have Upamecano, though. At least he's healthy. Upamecano is healthy. He's suspended. Oh, boy. Upamecano is suspended. So their top three choices for centre-back will not be playing in this game, right? So the centre-backs are going to be maybe Lucas Klosterman. Probably Lucas Klosterman. He's played centre-back and right-back. Maybe Holstenberg, who's been playing left-back and centre-back. Or maybe Nordi Michele, who's been playing right-back. But I haven't seen that much of him, but he basically looks like a centre-back to me. Mm-hmm. And when he played right-back, he looked like a centre-back playing right-back. Yikes. <laughs> That's not ideal. You agree though, right? You see him play, yeah? I also, did you see the story today that Opa Meccano has uh, discontinued Yes, he's not going to sign talks? a new contract. Yeah, right? which I also think probably doesn't help the overall vibe of uh, the team and who's playing center back. I mean, yeah, this is a separate thing, but them going for a title, yeah. that, that doesn't help at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. So if you're a Spurs fan and you're thinking, oh no, Harry Kane's out, I'd rather be Spurs than Leipzig because, yeah. oh no, Leipzig's three top central defenders are out. Yeah. Yeah. That math checks out. <laughs> um, in terms three of, more than one, yeah. In terms of key players, um, so obviously centre-backs, their performance will be um, important mm-hmm. filling in for, the, for those guys that are missing. Um, Timo Werner is an important attacker, right? He seems to be a little bit out of form, but he still is very good at running in behind. Like him and Nkunku, mm-hmm. um, who's the, probably the other striker or striker underneath him, they're very good at like one will try and like run to the side and pull you out of the way and then Werner exploits the space. Hasn't been finishing or didn't finish the last couple of games that I saw, but he's Still, you know, German international, top striker, super, super important. I'm personally a big fan of Yusuf Poulsen. Mm-hmm. As am I. Good, sort of like we talked about with Haaland, good in the air. So he offers the aerial threat, which Nkunku and Werner do not. Also, still pretty fast, can run in behind. Mm-hmm. And I, I back him to finish as much as those other two guys as well. And he's so a, he's, I would start him, but sorry. I don't think that Nagelsmann will. He's a, and he's big, too, yeah, right? He's, yeah, he's six foot four, I think. Yeah. I feel like we always, at a certain point in the knockout round of the Champions League, there's always that one team that's just like, you know what, bring in the big guy. And then he is <laughs> sort of unplayable. And it's yeah. happened with, with uh, Urente at Spurs. I mm-hmm. think it's happened with Giroud previously. Maybe that's what Paulson will be in this maybe, game. Maybe off the bench, maybe, maybe to start. The other key player we have to talk about Tyler Adams. I've heard of him. Tyler Adams is definitely going to be playing at some point. I guess I would guess starting mm-hmm. for IB Leipzig in the round of 16 mm-hmm. in the Champions League. These are the moments we were excited about when Adams made that move from Red Bulls to Leipzig. 
I can't remember which player we put our money on for playing the most minutes in the Champions League. It was Desto Adams, right? I yeah. think that's what it ended up being. But we we ruled out Des because at the time we weren't sure if he was going to be American or not. Mm-hmm. So we may have landed on Adams, I think. And so Des played a lot in the We group. definitely landed on Adams. Yep. Des mm-hmm. played a lot in the group stage. Yeah. Adams – oh, no, it was in 2020, right? So it was like starting fresh in 2020, so. who yeah. has the most minutes. It's definitely not going to be Des, is it? Because nope. Ajax got knocked out. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adams will play in this game. Yeah. The only question is, does he play as one of these sort of two – You'd call them like the deepest central midfielders. If he does, if you watch him, he's wonderful at it. Mm-hmm. Not only is he great at like, you know, closing, his closing speed's amazing. He gets in your face. He wins the ball back. He even makes up for teammates' mistakes. He'll do the counter press if he has to chase someone down the field and win that ball back. He is great at it. But the thing I've noticed watching him lately is what he's very good at is quick passes in tight spaces, mm-hmm. right? And the way that Leipzig play with so many central numbers, it's really important to connect passes in tight spaces. Tyler Adams has gotten very, very good at that in a way that I didn't know he was so good at early in his career. I didn't, good yeah. decisions, good passes in tight spaces. That makes me happy. Yeah. I, I really enjoy watching Leipzig because anytime there's sort of anything happening, you can usually spot Tyler Adams in there regardless yes. of where he's playing. He tends Absolutely. to get forward. He tends to get back when he needs to. He mm-hmm. gets to go central when he needs to. Yep. There, but there is a chance because of the defensive shortage mm-hmm. that all their right back slash center backs like Klosterman could end up playing centre-back. Tyler Adams centre-back? Is that what I'm hearing from you? No, it could end up with Tyler Adams playing right-back. And he could even be um, a traditional right-back. I know you and Manuel had that conversation about Mm -hmm. how when he plays right-back, it's not just right-back. More of a scolding than a conversation. Other responsibilities. But if Leipzig are feeling a bit defensive against Mm -hmm. Spurs, he could be playing a more defensive right-back type situation. Which is fine. I mean, I I think, again, the key thing there is that he is able to do what Nagelsmann asks. Yeah. It's why I think Nagelsmann trusts him the way he does. Mm-hmm. And so even if he's playing right back, it's not just going to be stay at home, be a right back. Yes. But he can do it because I think he has the, the soccer IQ to be yep. able to do it. And I think he has the familiarity with the system to be able to do it. And here's, one of the things with the system is Adams could be tasked with, OK, you're right back, but then you provide the attacking width when mm-hmm. we go forward. I've seen him be asked to do that job uh, for Leipzig. Or it could be you're right back, but when we attack, you join the central midfield and add to the numbers. Like you have like he has, he does have zones where he's asked to go, right? So Tyler Adams is going to be very important no matter where he plays in this game. Which is a crazy thing to say about an yes. American playing for a Bundesliga team in the Champions League knockout yep. round. Hey, this is Daryl cutting in with some bad news for U.S. men's national team fans that came out the day after we recorded uh, this episode. Here's a quote from RB Leipzig head coach Julian Nagelsmann. Quote, there's some bad news. Tyler Adams pulled his calf yesterday. He will definitely miss Werder and Spurs. Otherwise, there's nothing new to report, unquote. So there it is, direct from Julian Nagelsmann. Um, Tyler Adams is injured and will miss this game against Tottenham, at least the first leg. Um, And one of the things, so we haven't talked about this on the show, but one of the weird things is that a really important player to Leipzig, Deme, Right, Deme left Leipzig in the January transfer window. He was a starting defensive central midfielder and went to Napoli. And the only thing I could find about it is that he'd always wanted to play abroad. And he went there with Leipzig top of the Bundesliga. And Napoli the opposite of that. Napoli the opposite of that. Yeah, but that is, that part of huh. that has meant that there's definitely a space. There's another uh, central midfielder whose name begins with a K. I can't quite remember his name. Might be Klempel, um, who's injured right now. So yeah. that's why Tyler Adams is one of the most important central defensive midfielders uh, for RB Leipzig. Who went to Naples? Or Napoli? Deme. Diego Deme, I want to say his name. Can you imagine if you went there like, yeah, we're, they're under fire. It's not going so well, but it's Carlo Ancelotti. He's going to figure it out. And then you mm. arrive and it's like, not only is it not Carlo Ancelotti, but it's now Gattuso. 
buckle up. <laughs> like that would be a big old change. Good luck. Good <laughs> yeah. luck, Diego Demet. Um, so in yeah. response, we have what are Spurs going to mm-hmm. do? So Spurs under Jose Mourinho. Christian Eriksen recently, finally mm-hmm. <laughs> gone to Inter, so they no longer have to worry about that, right? Uh, Lo Celso finally no longer on loan. They've made that transfer permanent. Um, and Dombele is back almost fit, mm-hmm. capable of playing at least fit. Um, no Harry Kane. I want to start there. There is no Harry Kane for Tottenham uh-uh. Hotspur. It's going to be instead some sort of uh, fast winger playing up yep. front, right? If it's a 4-2-3-1, it's probably going to be Lucas Moura or it's going to be Son Heung-min playing up front. I've got an idea of what I think Jose Mourinho might do, though. Okay. Thank you to the Extra Inch podcast. It's a Tottenham Hotspur podcast. Nathan A. Clark, who's been a guest on this show, made the point very recently that Spurs played Southampton in the FA Cup very, very recently. Southampton coached by Ralph Hasenhutl, who is Red Bull through and through, right? Right. And he's got Southampton playing a Red Bull type of game, a 4-2-2-2 type of game. And they do the same thing where they crowd the midfield with lots of numbers. Mourinho in response, because you know Mourinho is a very reactive coach, right? He sees what you're doing and then bases his game plan based on what you're doing. He went with a 3-5-2 to start. Hmm. Hmm. And I think he did that because that lets him get numbers in midfield, right? The starting midfield in that game that he had was Eric Dyer, Harry Winks, and Ndombele. So three central midfielders to at least match up uh, somewhat with what Leipzig were doing in central midfield. It didn't necessarily work because he had to switch to a back four at some point in that game. I know we have a scouting report that pointed that out. Um, but he still always kept three central midfielders, which isn't what he always does in the 4-2-3-1, mm-hmm. right? So I think you'll see three central midfielders at least from Jose Mourinho in this game to try and go at least numerically, not be overwhelmed by what Leipzig are doing. Yeah, This does feel like the game that's going to be like a bit of the chess match because Nagelsmann has proven time and time again to also just adjust and move things around and now you're playing here. Okay, never mind. For the next 15 minutes, you're playing here. Yeah. Like Jose Mourinho can do the exact same. So I would expect a lot of kind of tinkering and changing yeah. on the fly for both of these teams in this game. And here's what I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. At some point, I would go to start the game. Um, despite their recent injury concerns, I would start both Lo Celso mm-hmm. and Ndombele in okay. the Spurs midfield. And I think I'd also start Harry Winks. The reason being that you want players who are good under pressure, right? Who are what they would call like press resistant, or in this case, counter press resistant. So when Leipzig are flooding the numbers, I would trust Lo Celso to be able to drag back, quick move, get out of danger, then release Son or Mora mm. or Bergwin, whichever of the two of the I was, was going to ask you playing. that, yeah. I don't know. In a 3-5-2, if that's what he does, I'd maybe see like Son and Mora mm-hmm. starting up front, Son and Lucas, and maybe Bergwin's like the, the guy that replaces one of them at some point, you know, fresh legs and mm-hmm. all that. Or maybe some sort of magic front three, all three of those sort of attacking wingers um, lined up, ready to go. Hmm. So it's basically, you could see any number of players playing any number of positions yeah, in any really, number of shapes and formations. It's really hard to guess what yeah. Spurs are going to do, but I think definitely they'll try and make sure to have numbers in midfield, right? It won't be a 4-2-3-1 where like the, it's just say, mm-hmm. say Winks and Lo Celso and then four attacking wingers mm-hmm. for Spurs, right? Because even if Deli Ali's in there, he's going to be asked to play as one of the central midfielders yep. to not be numerically overwhelmed. That's my guess. That's what I'd do anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think Mourinho might do because he's very conscious of never being um, outnumbered uh, to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this could, could be a fascinating game outright. It could be a fascinating game from a tactics coaching standpoint. Yeah. Or it just could be a fascinating game because we don't quite know 
who's going to do what and when, and then there's yeah. always the chance with Mourinho that it could end up being a very dull game. I mean, so Mourinho's other option is, all right, RB love to counter-press, mm-hmm. so what we're going to do is let them have the ball. It feels and like a Mourinho approach. We won't commit approach. numbers forward. Yep. We won't get counter-pressed. Can't get that counter-pressed is, if we never have the ball. That's a thing that Jose Mourinho can mm-hmm. do. Yeah, that would kill this game yep. like, as an entertainment spectacle, but it might be the, it might be the smart approach. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know which Tottenham fans would prefer, uh, but I guess we'll find out uh, when this game occurs. Yeah, it, it's going to be – the fun version of it is if Lacelso, Winks, and Ndombele mm-hmm. all start together. And then and that means Mourinho is going to try and sort of uh, dribble and pass and play his way through the Leipzig counter press. That just sounds way too risky for Jose, right? It really does. Yeah. It really does. Uh, <laughs> anything else in this one? Uh, no, not that I can think of. Right. Um, except just like look out for Spurs. Uh, it's it's going to be all pace and directness up front because there's no target man unless they start like Troy Parrott, mm-hmm. who's the sort of very, very young understudy to Harry Kane. I don't think that's going to happen, right? It's going to be Son and Mora or Son and Bergwijn or some combination thereof. That could have been a made-up name and I wouldn't have known. He's in the scouting network. Still, there are lots of people in the scouting network. Uh, our final uh, uh, game of next week that we're talking about this week yes. uh, is uh, Atalanta hosting Valencia. Uh, and I'm going to apologize up front because if you are a big Valencia fan, I will do my best. But I found Atalanta so captivating and so much fun that I feel like this preview may end up being me talking about Atalanta a lot. David Amayo probably agrees, right? I mean, I hope so because yeah. they are nuts. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say about that. Okay, and that's my first question then. Why are Atalanta Should nuts? I start with them then? Yes. All right, so... When I saw there, so the, basically my approach to previewing some of the teams that I'm less familiar with is to kind of look at their recent results, look at their re- recent lineups, see if they, okay, they tend to play a consistent formation with consistent personnel. You can kind of get a feel for what they're going to do, and then I'll watch the game. Um, with Atalanta, I sort of saw the shape, and then I watched them play. And you can freeze frame it at any given moment, and you could be like, they're in a three zero seven now? And it just, <laughs> they move, there's so much movement off the ball and on the ball that they're really, really fun to watch, because you never know where a player is going to pop up or where they're going to have an overload. The biggest one there would be uh, Papu Gomez is their captain. He's their number 10. They, the basic formation will go what with... What nationality is he? Uh, he's Argentinian. Okay. Zero caps for the Argentine national team. I feel like that should change. The, their depth at playmaker is insane. Well, there is that. Yeah. There is that. Uh, they, so the basic shape, I would say, with, with Atalanta is a 3-4-1-2. Okay. But when I made my sort of lineup in the lineup generator, there are lots of arrows going all over the place because there's tons of movement. And we're going to start with Papu Gomez, who is the number 10. He is that one in the 3-4-1-2. But he will be a number 10. Sometimes he'll be a left winger. Sometimes he'll be a right winger. So are we talking total freedom here? Yes. He really will be anywhere. He'll be a left center back on occasion. He'll drop between the two center backs to pick up the ball, but then he'll be out on the left and he'll be out on the right. He moves wherever he wants this to. This is what they used to let number 10s do. So yep. when people say that number 10 is dead, now you have to be like a more like disciplined, tactical type number 10. We can say, no, Papu Gomez for Atalanta. Uh-huh. He does what he wants. And then here is the thing that you're going to love about he does what he wants. On the surface, it looks like, oh, he's just doing whatever he wants, and he may well be, but it seems as though uh, Jean Piero, is it Jean Piero? Jean Piero Gasparini, their manager, has sort of drilled the team to accommodate what Papu Gomez does. So say their left center back, uh, Berat Jamati, I think it is, Jamati? Jamati, there it is. Uh, if he starts maybe drifting into where the left winger Robin uh, Gozens is, then Robin Gozens will move central to where Papu Gomez was because Papu Gomez has dropped into where the left center back mm. was. And you'll genuinely see So a little bit total football rotations, Yeah, you right? will just see rotations. And then if he goes to the other side, they'll do the same. If he stays central, everybody else rotates around. And so there's just so much movement off the ball. You have in that back three, those three center 
quarterbacks, you will have them making late arriving runs to be in the, involved in the attack. So if possession sort of stagnates, suddenly you'll have two more players arriving in there and they're only keeping one back. So they really do sort of move forward intermittently with random numbers, but then within that is kind of patterns and repetitions of play that makes them, again, very, very captivating. So a lot of positional switching mm-hmm. from everybody, but yep. Papu Gomez can go where he wants. Yep. Yeah, that's, the that's, that's really it, yes. Uh, when they regain possession, uh, the two center midfielders kind of drop in. The two center backs will spread out. That allows those two wing backs to commit forward. So even then, you sort of have movement around. The one player that I think kind of does pretty consistent things is uh, Josep Ilicic. Ilicic, excuse me. He's Ilicic. Slovenian. Thank you. Uh, he is the leading goal scorer. I wasn't scorer. correcting you. I was just making sure oh, that I was remembering yes. it. Uh, Ilicic, <laughs> yes. Uh, Slovenian uh, goal scorer. He's the leading goal scorer this season. He will be probably on the right wing tends to stay on that side, but is very much... He's kind of balding, so he's got the Robin thing, but he's okay. very Robin in that he's on the right side, he's left-footed. So you will see so him maybe, cut inside. Maybe hymns for him? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he could <laughs> use that one. Uh, he'll cut, cut inside, he will shoot, but he is six foot three and very physical, so he will body people as well. But he's really fun to watch because he is not particularly quick, but he just has that sort of like technical ability where he doesn't need to be fast. He can just do the kind of hip feints and hip feint and hip feint. And even though you know he wants to cut into a shoot with his left, he still manages to put himself in that situation. So that's a big reason why he's the leading goal scorer and a big reason why I found him really fun to watch. He'll be partnered by Duvan Zapata, uh, who is their other number, kind of number nine, who's a bigger, stronger target striker as well. And okay. then you've got Papu Gomez kind of rounding out the attack wherever he wants to round it out. All right, so I want to do a quick rundown of these names because mm-hmm. I'm aware that Atalanta is somewhat unfamiliar yep. to me. Definitely, I'm going to guess, unfamiliar to a lot of our listeners. Uh-huh. Papu Gomez, the key number 10. I think he has four caps. I could be wrong. It's their Argentinian center back who's also very good who has zero caps. Okay. There it is. Uh, but uh-huh. Papu Gomez yeah. uh, is the number 10. Yep. The what right winger who is their top scorer because mm-hmm. he comes inside a lot is Ilicic. Yep. And the center forward is Zapata. Yep, okay. Zapata. You've got it. Number 91, if you want the number. <laughs> and then the other player I wanted to spotlight would be uh, Jose Luis Palomino. That would be the center back who I mentioned with zero caps for Argentina. That should change. Uh, because he is... like So the other two, uh, Jamati and Toloi, Toloi is a Brazilian, they will get forward as sort of late arriving runs. But then Palomino is the one... He's a center back, center back three, right? Yes. Palomino is the one who seems to have the license to just step out when he wants to. And so he will step out to make the defensive plays but so yeah. if you see somebody just come streaming in from like off camera to win a header it's palomino okay he's the one stepping out but then he's very very calm on the ball he'll kind of move over into like positions he thinks he needs to be in to help overload and possession he just kind of has this freedom to be very defensive but then also to be somewhat attacking as well what do you mean by freedom to be defensive in terms of like he's not sitting back and making sure their target striker is marked off he's oh, not like the one freedom to go win the ball yes exactly he'll just be like, right. yeah i'm gonna go close that 20 yards down now I see, see you guys <laughs> and he tends to make it work at I, least in the games I'm I've seen. Him. I'm, sure he, I'm sure he's not speaking English mm-hmm. in the game but yelling Palomino's ball <laughs> yes. and running 20 yards screaming that and then, and then winning the ball that would be my guess <laughs> yeah so I think you've got those players that are going to be very uh, captivating but it's worth noting they have uh, 61 goals for which is pretty high in Serie A I believe it's the most in Serie A 31 against which is the most of any of the top 6 teams in Serie A so they have a plus 32 goal or plus 30 goal difference alright so they score some goals, goals but they also kind of maybe can get caught out and concede some So Atlanta worth keeping an eye out, right? Yes. Atalanta, excuse uh-huh. Atalanta. me. So what about Valencia? Valencia, I think because Atalanta are so much fun, I think that's why I, I was drawn towards them because Valencia yeah. are 
much more like practical, pragmatic. Yeah. Uh, is Gary Neville still the manager? He is not. <laughs> they've they've moved around. If you want to talk about that for a moment, it is a consistent thing that the manager at Valencia doesn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Their current manager, Albert Salades, uh, former player for both Barcelona and Real Madrid, and also the New York Red Bulls. You know, same category there. Came came in managing various youth national teams for Spain, but then became an assistant for Lopetegui at Spain. Was an assistant for him at Madrid. And then was hired straight from that to Valencia to take over from Marcelino, who was the previous coach. Had a lot of success, won the Copa del Rey with Valencia, qualified Valencia for the Champions League, and was sacked for his efforts. Uh, he came out and said, it's because I won the Copa del Rey. I was told not to win the Copa del Rey. What? Or I was basically told, because it's seen as a lesser competition. Oh, like, don't focus on yeah, that. Yeah, like, when I won it, went and had my like postseason meeting with Peter Lim, the owner of Valencia, he said, like, good job on fourth. Didn't mention winning the Copa del Rey, so he felt like they sort of got mad at him for prioritizing that competition. He was sacked. Players were mad about it. Players refu- refused to speak to the media in the introductory press conference for Salades when he took over. It seems like things have calmed down a little bit, but he, there are still questions about his tactical acumen, about the fact that with Spain, he never really had an identifiable game plan or approach. So there's some concern that maybe that will be the case with him at Valencia. Thus far, it has been a 4-2-2-2 is essentially what they're going for. Who are the, uh, who are the key players now? So this is also where it's a little confusing because the biggest one for Valencia, in my opinion, at least defensively, has been Gabriel, Gabriel Paulista, formerly of Arsenal, mm-hmm. uh, has been their sort of rock at center back, uh, especially after um, uh, I forget who they lost for the entire season. It was their other starting center back who I forget, maybe Garay, Ezekiel Garay, I think it was, uh, out for the entire season with a ruptured ACL. So it's Ben Gabriel who's sort of led the line. He would get injured but play through injury because he knew he was the veteran. He is suspended for this game. So... Then we're kind of looking at, it'll probably be Diacabi, who is already deputizing. And then there are some question marks about who else may come in. Given the injuries, given the lack of depth, you know the center back that they're most likely going to play. We constantly wonder, where is this player playing now? And we constantly think he is still at Man City. Oh, Mangala? Yes. Yes. He has played three times for them in total this season. One of them was in the Champions League in the 95th minute. He was subbed on to kill the game off. Uh, He has played 180 minutes for them this entire season. Those two games were in late November. So he's likely going to end up starting this game for Valencia. So they're replacing kind of their... Is he still a Man City player or did they sell him? I think he's moved permanently. I think. I could well be wrong. Uh, But yes... uh, so you're losing your kind of most consistent center back and replacing him with Mangala, who is not consistent at all. So that's definitely an but area. This could of, be Mangala's moment. This could, could be, be the start of the comeback. It could be. It could be. <laughs> then further ahead, in sort of the two more defensive-minded midfielders, there are three possible players there. Uh, Denny Parejo, I believe, is their leading scorer or their second leading goal scorer. Is frequently their captain, but I'm not sure he'll be the one to start because Francis Kokalan, uh, again, mm. former Arsenal, has been a very strong performer for them as returned from injury. Getting a strong Arsenal rejects. Uh, he seemed to, right? Got to get a couple more in there. And then Jeffrey Kondogbia is the other option there. I think. I, it's going to be uh, Danny Parejo and Coquelin. I would prefer it be Condogbia because he is so good. He has the go-go gadget legs. He can do the defensive job, but he's big in the air. He'll win things. He'll fight for everything. I like Condogbia, what Condogbia brings. And I think given the sort of uncertainty about their back line, he maybe is a more defensive player okay. uh, to help them out a little bit. Uh, further ahead of them, you've yeah, got... Yeah, what about in the attack? I'm interested in how Valencia attack and who they do it with. So 4-2-2-2, as I said, right? Was that enough twos? Yep. Uh, it'll be Carlos Soler on the left. He will go like... They'll drop in do 4 for 2 if they need to, but then those two will come inside. Carlos Soler on the left, Fernand, Ferran, Ferran, F-E-R-A-N, not Fernand, I always want to make it Fernand. Ferran Torres is uh, a player that I wanted to spotlight for a moment. Yeah, Ferran Torres. 
He is 19 years old, Spanish right winger, came through Valencia, Valencia Academy, then Valencia B, now with the senior team. Uh, he can play forward. He will deputize there if need be. More likely is he'll be on that like right wing, right center mid, um, and is both very fast and very technical and will try stuff in the box. So when Valencia kind of have had a few shots, uh, which they tend to get a lot of shots that maybe don't quite come off, he is the one who will sort of go for the, like, I'm going to lift it over this defender and then cut it back and then make, make something happen. So Torres is the one who I think tries to create uh, when things aren't going well. Uh, so I would keep an eye on him. And then Maxi Gomez and Rodrigo. Uh, Rodrigo heavily linked with Barcelona, okay, but these still are, these at Valencia. Are names I'm all familiar with, right? and, uh, and then when Valencia drop into a very defensive shape, it will be a 4-4-1-1. And it's Rodrigo who is sort of there to be the facilitator, to be the player who can not just hold the ball up, but sort of hold it up and turn and move forward with it all at once, which he is very capable of doing. So... so- I'm not asking you for a prediction, mm-hmm. but I'm getting the vibe from what you've described that maybe you favor Atalanta, not just as a as like a favorite team because they're more fun, but that they that they're going to win this game. So here's here's what I would say. I went back and watched the IX game, which is Valencia. Uh, qualified and qualified top of their group on the last day. They beat Ajax and I think Chelsea lost or drew, so they dropped points and that's why Valencia went through on top. The reason why Valencia were able to get that result against Ajax away from home is they scored a decent goal in the first half, but Ajax kept slowing down their attack. They would have these moments when the fast break was on, and that is when Valencia are very, very vulnerable. Uh, this past weekend against Hatafe, they gave the ball away in midfield, and then they all panicked, and three players tried to make the same play. All three of them got beaten by one player with like one touch, and then he went through and scored. When you catch them in transition and play at them very fast, they struggle. If you slow down... You should and be try glad to... they're not playing Leipzig then. Yeah, but if you try, if you slow it down, Ajax kept kind of slowing it down and waiting for numbers and waiting for people to get right, then Valencia are fine. They have that defensive shape. They've got that kind of discipline that they will make it very hard for you. So I think if Atalanta can play fast and go at them and try to catch them in transition, I think Atalanta will have a lot of fun against Valencia if they can pull them out a little bit because of that fluidity. But if they slow it down and are a little bit nervous because they've not been here before, they may find themselves sort of frustrated and shooting at the wrong times. Speaking of that, I did have a specific prediction about that. Uh, Mario Pasalic, who's a Chelsea low who could start at center midfield, uh, he will get at least one clear shooting opportunity and put it well wide. He did that so many times in the couple games I watched from him of like, he kept finding space and he was really smart about his runs. He'd be wide open, 12 yards from goal, and then he would shoot it straight at the goalkeeper or shoot it straight wide. So if they have that type of game, Atalanta, then I think Valencia could go through. But my money, if I were a betting man, would be on Atalanta to get the result. All right. So one more time to Mm -hmm. round up. These games are next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, you can see Atletico versus Liverpool mm-hmm. and Dortmund versus PSG. And next Wednesday, the following day, mm-hmm. it's Atalanta Valencia and it's Tottenham versus RB Leipzig. Mm-hmm. We will, of course, be in studio watching these games and we'll have reviews of these games for you probably those evenings, right? Yeah. Tuesday evening, Wednesday I think evening. So. That works for me. Speaking of this evening, you have an indoor game to get to, but I, I think we have just enough time to do some updates from the Total Soccer Show Skater Network. Am I correct? You are. I have one final thing about Valencia. Oh, and we definitely have time. If you don't mind. Do you, do you not mind? It's okay. in a rush on me, so yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I wanted to spotlight, I mentioned Diacabi before. Diacabi yeah. is six foot four. Is their kind of their big, Valencia's big presence on the back line? Ilicic is six foot three, and I watched Diakabi lose a lot of those like transition, like the thing I was talking about with Haaland, where like they would kind of pull the opposition out to hit long to him. Diakabi had a couple where it, he absolutely should have won it and did not, and Ilicic has no problem being physical. So that battle, I think, is going to be really, really interesting. If you're just looking for a sort of one v one physical encounter, that's where you're looking. Are we talking just in the air or on the floor too? Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Dear Kabi versus Inichi. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I want to watch that one. Big big men going at each other. Let's make it happen. Big men going at it in the air. Yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. To the mm-hmm. Scouting Network. We have one, two, three, four, five updates from the Total Soccer Show Scouting Network. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with, oh, a Spurs player. Yeah. Who I think three of them are Spurs players. <laughs> this guy hasn't been at Spurs for a while, though. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start with Marcus Goodrich scouting Shiloh Tracy. Mm-hmm. Shiloh Tracy is a 21-year-old English winger on loan at Macclesfield, the glamorous Macclesfield mm-hmm. from Tottenham. Hotspur. Marcus says Tracy, Charlotte Tracy was loaned to Macclesfield Town until the end of the season for a two million pound fee. Woo. He's joining up at a difficult time. Macclesfield mm-hmm. are currently twenty second out of twenty four teams in League Two. Yikes. So they're the um, the third worst team in the English professional football. Well, it gets worse. It gets worse. Um, Oh no, Macclesfield recently came under fire due to a crisis of unpaid wages and they've just had a six-point deduction and could potentially lose four more points before long. Just a few days before the end of the transfer deadline, three players had their contracts terminated after appealing to the English Football League, which is likely what led to Trace's loan. But they paid £2 million for the loan? Good luck, Shiloh. (laughs) Why didn't they just take that money and pay their players? Well, Daryl... It's an interesting question, and I think my answer would be that Patrick Delaney is scouting Aaron Connolly, <laughs> a 20-year-old Irish forward for Brighton. Happy belated birthday to Aaron, says Patrick. Uh, Aaron turned 20 on January 28th, and that's just about his only highlight in January. He made uh, only one start for Brighton, did not score, had very limited chances. Uh, our, our, my Irish friend Kenny, our Irish friend Kenny, is consistently not enjoying Aaron Connolly. <laughs> that's my other update on this one. Well, at least our Irish friend Kenny is enjoying the Irish election results. Yes. Are you friends with him on Facebook? Uh, I am not, but uh, yes, I I am. I don't ever check Facebook, but I, I'm assuming that means good things happen. He's, he's very okay. happy. He's right. very happy. Um, oh, yes. Yes, he is. James go. Porter is scouting Ryan Sessegnon, yes, the 19-year-old <laughs> English left-sider for Tottenham. Ryan Sessegnon, yeah. 19-year-old English left-sider for Tottenham, scouted by James Porter. James says, Sessegnon started in the FA Cup replay against Southampton. That's the one I was talking about earlier. Um, as a left wing back, it spurs 3-2 victory. Mm. His first half was filled with incisive runs forward, one of which led to the Spurs' first goal. Um, the, the first goal for Spurs. Mm. Mourinho made a tactical shift to a 4-3-3. Sessegnon moved to left-back, where he had some nervy moments defending, but played well enough to see out the 3-2 win. Sessegnon was given the opportunity to win the left-back spot over the holiday period, starting five of seven games in December slash early January, but didn't take his chance. Instead, 20-year-old centre-back Jafik Tangdanga... Tanganga, excuse me, has slotted into the left-back spot in the Premier League and is on the team sheet every game now. I'm guessing Tanganga will play some role um, against Leipzig. Well, more so on that in a moment. Tanganga's Champions League debut on the way. Is James Porter also scouting Jeff at Tanganga, or is James Porter the one we asked to just keep an eye on all Tottenham players Mostly keep an eye on all good right. Tottenham players. Well, he also sent us one about Jeff at Tanganga, yeah. 20-year-old English defender for Tottenham. So I asked James to recommend um, up-and-coming young gotcha. Spurs players, so hopefully James can keep scouting Sessegnon and will assign Tanganga to someone else. In the meantime, James has sent us this scout. Mm-hmm. Tanganga. In an attempt to nudge us towards assigning Tanganga. Maybe. Maybe so. Tanganga made his EPL debut uh, against Liverpool at left back on J- January 11th and has gone on to start the next five matches for Spurs, earning a man of the match performance against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. Uh, with Danny Rose off to Newcastle, Ben Davies hurt, and Vertonghen slash Sessegnon left back experience not working out. The youngster has become a lockdown starter in the Spurs back line. He did well in 1v1 defending against Mohamed Salah and Riyad Mahrez. That's decent. And he was confident on the ball going forward. 
There we go. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Anurag Anjaria is scouting Andrea Novakovic. Remember him? Uh, 23-year-old American strikeout for Frozenone. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you watch them every weekend, right? Every single weekend. Well, then so you see him about 50% of the time. Anurag says Novakovic's debut season continues to underwhelm. He's contributed only one goal and four assists in 18 appearances uh, for Frozenone in Serie A. It's an Italian team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's continuing to get starts and has gotten on the field about 50% of the minutes available to him. Did you say Serie A? I think I think they're Serie B. I think Serie B. They might even be Serie C. Get out of it. <laughs> I think they're Serie B. Frozenone. We are looking this up. All right, you're right gonna look now. it up right now. I'm pretty sure they're Serie A because remember we were joking that ESPN Plus were trying to make us watch that game. Ooh, they were at 6:45 in the morning, weren't yes. they? Was it Empoli Frozenone? I yes. think was the game. And then the game finished like 6:5 or something. Did it really? Insane. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe ESPN knew something we didn't, which wouldn't surprise me because it's Serie A. Just kidding, Serie A. No match fixing jokes here. Daryl is still trying to find it. You've got the serial table? Do you not have the serial table? I'm failing. Oh, no. I googled Frozenone like a fool, and I just got <laughs> stuff about the town. <laughs> oh, yeah. You always have to guess what you think the team's like uh, yeah. initials will be. But I've got it now. I've got the standings mm-hmm. for Serie A, mm-hmm. and I'm scrolling down, and I'm scrolling down, and I'm scrolling down, and I'm not seeing Frozenone mm-hmm. at all. So Andrei Novakovic is playing in Serie B. Okay. There we go. Thank you to everybody for today's scouting reports. Get off your computer. We've fixed it. We've solved it. We I, have the answer. I was trying to figure out what the... Because it's like AS Roma. So you're never entirely sure. You know what I mean? Like It's like, uh, well, this is Besiktas, but it's like JK Besiktas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was wondering Besiktas. Just joking. I think it's just fr- Frosinone uh, Calcio is what they are. <laughs> That's easy enough. There we go. Final thing to mm-hmm. let you know about is... Okay, we've got this Champions League preview for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. Taylor and I will be back in studio on Friday to do a listener question special. We have all kinds of listener questions uh, to answer. On Thursday, there's going to be another episode of Allocation Disorder, the athletic podcast from Sam Stachgal and Paul Tenorio. Mm -hmm. It's going to be all about this topic, Taylor. Are you ready? Is Major League Soccer actually serious about competing with Liga MX? Interesting. So that topic in advance of uh, CONCACAF Champions League coming back next week. So look out for an allocation disorder in your feed on Thursday. Is MLS actually serious about competing with Liga MX? I had like four questions about that already just from the title, which probably means it's a good title and going to be a good show. There we go. So look out for that in the Total Sock Show feed on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Then we'll be back in studio on Friday. Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. I'll see you in Serie B. Listeners, thank you for listening. We will talk to you again on Friday. Friday.